Send us your Holy Spirit to be our guide and our light of understanding as we listen for your solid wisdom this day. In the name of Jesus Christ, your living word. Amen. Today's first reading, our Hebrew scripture reading, is from Exodus 17, verses 1 through 7. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What, what shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff of which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? And today's second reading is our gospel reading from John 4, verses 5 through 42. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. 
Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me that all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say, There are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you. Lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor." Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Our current situation of hunkering down and trying to avoid going out, if at all possible, is not unprecedented, my dear friends. Many a quarantine has been imposed or recommended in the history of the world. This past week, in talking to people, I've heard them uh, bring up quarantines for polio and scarlet fever and other uh, diseases that have gone around in different places throughout time. Um, there are two big differences, though, that I see uh, between our current situation and some of those in the past. First of all, in the past, people weren't as mobile as we are today. Before cars and planes and buses, 
um, epidemics tended to stay local epidemics just because people weren't, weren't moving around the way that we do today. That's not to say that the ways we get around today um, are bad. They just tend to spread these things more quickly. Epidemics get bigger and scarier and turn into pandemics faster now than ever before. The other big difference I see is technology. Um, while viruses can spread so much faster these days, so can information. We know way more about things like this way faster than we ever did in the past. Love it or hate it, um, I've loved it and hated it both today as we've dealt with our technical difficulties this morning and um, subscriber constraints on YouTube and all of that stuff, but we figured it out and we have a way that some people can come together and uh, we can have this worship service recorded so people can see it later. Um, so love it or hate it, it's days like today that modern technology can really shine. Yesterday, I was able to watch the governor's uh, press conference about the changing situation live from the comfort of my house. Um, live televised press conferences like that are, have only been around for about 60 years or so. Um, we can also now access things like the WHO and CDC websites for the most current information about things and, and where there's confirmed cases. And we've only had the internet as we know it for about 40 years now, and it's become common in homes only in the past 30. Um, this week, we've been able to consult and communicate with dozens of members, elders, presbytery leaders, and more yesterday in just a fraction of the time that it would have taken us um, to do phone calls um, we were able to coordinate with text messages, and Rebecca and I talked via FaceTime. We were able to send emails, all of those things that um, 20 years ago would have all been time-consuming phone calls. Um, I didn't even have to call the news stations to report the church closings this morning. I was able to just log in online and let them know, and it magically showed up. Um, also, we now have technology that allows us in theory, <laughs> I think we got it working in practice, um, to, to still worship together in a way that is safe and practical um, for as many people as possible. Um, there are people who don't have access to the technology to participate in this way, um, but for a lot of our folks, this is a good option. Um, it's better than canceling entirely, at least. And even five years ago, this would have been very complicated, um, even more than it is now. And 10 years ago, we wouldn't have been able to do this at all without huge, huge cost involved. Um, these changes are dizzying. I'm only 40, and I struggle to keep up with this stuff. It feels like a fast, crazy roller coaster, and we can feel lost in this shuffle sometimes. In our passage from Exodus this morning, the Israelites have had more change than they can handle. They have hit the limit of their change. They're so over it, and they are not handling this gracefully. Moses, why did you bring us to this terrible place? We liked it back there where we knew what was coming next. Even if we knew it wasn't great, we at least knew what to expect. And Moses like an exasperated parent, yells to God, what am I supposed to do with these people? And I love 
that God's answer to Moses is that the Israelites are basically just hangry. They're just, that's where you're so hungry, you're angry. God says, let's give them a little drink and maybe a nap and it'll all be a little bit better. They'll all be a little bit happier. This small thing, this water in the wilderness, gives them a little bit of hope. It takes the edge off for them. Sometimes all we need is a drink of water. Little things like a drink of water matter. As people around us panic and buy all the toilet paper that Target has to offer, look for the small moments of hope. Like the fact that we can still have worship together this morning in this futuristic way, while also doing our part in helping to contain and slow the spread of this virus. Maybe by the next time a pandemic rolls around, we'll be able to worship together by hologram. I have to admit, having grown up on Star Trek, I really hope that's true because that would be super, super cool. And let's remember, too, that not only should we be looking for the small moments of hope when we're feeling disoriented and tossed around, it's also okay to ask for small kindnesses and moments of hope when we need them. This is an important way into relationship and deeper community. And we see this in John 4 in our uh, very long gospel passage this morning where Jesus meets a woman at a well. Um, And in the Bible, the well has been the site of many a marriage match. Every romantic comedy in the Bible starts at a well. And so Jesus, a man, talking to this woman at the well is a little bit of a scandal. And add to that the fact that Samaritans and Jews are not exactly friends at this time. They're ethnic rivals. Uh, One of the, um, the podcasts I listened to this week joked that Jesus is violating the Billy Graham rule here. (laughs) He is alone in a place with a woman without a chaperone. Now, if all of this with the gender dynamics and the ethnic dynamics weren't crazy enough, Jesus starts the conversation with a request, with an ask for help. Could you get me some water? And the woman, of course, is surprised that not only is this man, this Jewish man, talking to her, he's asking her for help. This opens up the opportunity for conversation and for relationship. And as the conversation unfolds, we see that this poor woman has been married five times and is now living with a sixth man. This woman is not, for the record, some sort of gold digger. She's not just getting around. At the time, a woman would not have had any say-so in a divorce whatsoever. She was considered property that could be dumped easily if she wasn't producing children or satisfying her husband in other ways. So this woman had been divorced or widowed or a combination of the two five times times enough times that now nobody wanted to marry her and so she's living with someone out of brutal necessity of providing for herself and she's here at the well in the middle of the day because of this most people would have gone to the well at the beginning of the day before the day got hot 
But here she is avoiding the rest of the community and their judgment and their snark and their stares by going in the heat of the middle of the day. And this is where she meets Jesus. This woman who is completely out in the margins of society, who has been shut off from the heart of her community's life because of circumstances that were out of her control. I think many of us can sympathize with that feeling. Some of us are made to feel left out because of our gender or our race or our income or our age or our health. Some of us feel stuck in bad jobs or unhealthy families or other difficult circumstances that we may not have created. Pretty much most of us feel confused and alarmed by social distancing protocols that have been recommended to us right now by um, those in, in um, civic leadership, um, entire countries shutting down to help prevent more spreading of this disease. I believe we all in some way can sympathize with this marginalized woman at the well. We feel like the Israelites wandering around in uncharted territory with no real end in sight, or like this Samaritan woman, discarded and pushed to the edges, doing what we have to do to get by without having to deal with haters and snark. But like the Israelites, we can look for those moments when God hears us, he hears our hangry cries, and provides hope where there didn't seem to be any. Like the Samaritan woman, we have something to offer. We are seen by God regardless of how trapped we are in our circumstances. And we are offered a hope that never dies. A hope that can get us through any trials. This week it is very important for us to reach out to the edges to connect with those who are struggling. Look for hope in things like being able to go to church online once they finally get their act together and figure it out. For things like having telephones and email and video chat to connect with friends and loved ones. And ask for help. Ask for signs of hope and kindness when you need them, because you will. All of us will. Remembering that even Jesus asked someone for a drink of water. If you're an older adult or you have an underlying health complication and you need someone to make a grocery run or pick up a prescription for you so you limit your potential exposure, call up your pastor, call up your elders, call up another friend from church. If you're feeling really anxious about everyone, care for your own mental health and well-being as well. Reach out to a counselor or your pastor or your elders, or a friend from church, or a family member. That's what we are here for as a community. And in the weeks ahead, as we muddle through this very weird time in all of our lives, let it be known about us that we are givers and receivers of hope and community. Amen.